Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey there. Hi. Good morning. How are you? How are you? It's Chris. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Chris. Nice to meet you, Shelley. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking the time today to hang out with me on TPQ20. Uh, We always like to start off by saying we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. Um, So if you were to kind of give the bio your, you know, that's not on your book cover and that the publicist doesn't have, uh, who would you say you are? There's so many ways in which I (laughs) want to answer this question. Uh, it, It goes back to my chapbook title which I love which is rare birds and I see myself as a rare bird I'm a fourth generation Chinese American which is very rare um I'm a Leo sun Capricorn moon which I feel is a unique combination (laughs) also this morning I just learned on Twitter uh there's an article about turning 40 and the writer uh wrote about Kim Kardashian turning 40 in 2020 I was like hey I'm the same age as Kim Kardashian and how she was considered a millennial. It's like, oh, is the, is the millennial cut off 1980 right now? I thought it was 1982. I was like, oh. Yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't, I don't want to be a I millennial. Know. I was born in 81. So yeah, I, I know. I am, it's like that I am part past... of that lost, that lost generation. Yeah, I know. It's like called, um, I, de- I do identify as like the cusp exennial, which I've heard of. Also like the Oregon Trail generation, perhaps you relate to that, but yeah, I just feel I like, like that the Oregon Trail yeah, generation. Yeah, like, I feel very committed to my analog childhood. I was like, yes, very separate from the millennials. Yeah, I spent a lot of years without a computer and, and then even more without internet. Like, right, you know, yeah, like I went through college without uh, a cell phone. I love yeah. typewriters, I love listening to the radio and making mixtapes. Yeah, <laughs> the whole thing. So yeah, I always feel like I'm Love very it. cuss. I'm also queer and bisexual, so it's like I'm multitudinous <laughs> as a rare bird. Well, there we go. Myself. Yes, I like that. That's perfect. When we had uh, Ada Limone on here a while back, um, she was she is uh, very much a lover of birds, of all things birds. Mm. So we we definitely got into the idea of uh, what birds would be considered poetry yes so i'll ask you the same question what birds would you consider to be the most poetic oh i've been thinking a lot about birds because i i do want to get more into birding and as someone from who grew up in southern california where there were we did have you know seagulls pigeons uh sparrows i think but they're very colorless birds and so i'm always shocked whenever i see like a cardinal Mm. or a blue jay or a stellar's jay in the bay area so i do feel like those bluebirds and redbirds and anna's hummingbirds which have this like Mm. glorious sequined hot pink neck when they turn in the sun i feel like that's a definite poetic bird i like it yeah so do you find that your passions, birds and beyond, mm-hmm. uh, do you find that your passions have over the years worked their way into your poetry or, and are there passions that you keep separate from your work? Mm, I love this. Yeah, I definitely think that there's so much of me in the poems because it's what I'm curious about, it's what I'm fascinated about, it's what I want to 
learn about when I'm writing and seeing where it will lead me. So for sure, there is that blending, merging of the real life and the poetic and mm, passions that I keep secret. Mm, I like <laughs> that. Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, there could be more maybe like the emotional um plans to come ideas to come fantasies to come that aren't quite ready for prime time maybe <laughs> but yeah. maybe that's your is a yeah. maybe that will find its way into your next chapter yeah your next for collection. sure I like that like moving from the exterior to the interior yeah sure I like it so then what do you feel is your are you much of like a process writer are you somebody who spends you know a few hours a day sitting down to write or are you somebody who you know is superstitious needs the 14 sticks of incense and a couple candles lit behind you and a glass of tea on the table what is your uh, what's your writing process mm, yeah i would say it's more of the latter of an unprocessing <laughs> especially as someone who does writing and communications is my day job and in front of the computer a lot. So definitely it's more of a, uh, a wandering, uh, a following my instincts. Naps are a key part of that. <laughs> Resting, <laughs> restoration. I love wandering out on trails in the Bay Area headlands. And wait a second you're telling us all your passions now yeah well this Here is we the exterior this is the exterior yeah, that is it's not going internal yeah so it's kind of like exploring my emotions through walking through wandering nice um seeing what's out there in terms of creatures um yeah so it's kind of just like following instincts and then gathering i would say like field notes or what i call like poem debris mm. into notebooks or microsoft word documents and then when I'm feeling like I want to go create something, I go back into poem debris in the notebooks and highlight lines and seeing if I can collage or find some sort of associative lyric to build from that. So yeah, I definitely think it's more of a uh, a gathering and then being curious about what I've discovered later. So it's a very slow process, um, instinctual process. I like that idea of the poetry debris, but yeah. you also said something that just did link you back to that generational piece that we were talking mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. You said you said uh, notebooks and Microsoft Word documents. It's true. So yeah. I think we are really stuck in that. I in know. That yeah, like with these, the kids these days, they do like their voice memos and they're like <laughs> disappearing, banishing notes on like what is happening. <laughs> their emojis and like I don't understand what any of this means. I can't but... even figure out my kids. <laughs> Xbox completely so yeah it's a whole there are many different languages and methods that they're up to yeah I'm all about I'm trying to to I have been kind of falling into the electronic typing but I do want to get back to the handwritten method because I do feel like that's the most um mm, it slows you down and so yeah. especially in revision where it's like oh I don't want to write this again this needs to go. Whereas in Microsoft Word, I'd be like, eh, it's there. Maybe I'll tinker it with like writing it. Like, no, like the body knows when the line is bad. <laughs> oh, I like yeah. that. The body knows when yeah. the line is bad. Yeah. Yeah. See, also, all, all these poets I talk to keep coming up with these catchphrases on the spot. Mm -hmm. These should be new shirts for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Also, dancing it out is also key back Ooh. to the body when you're stuck, when you're, um, 
can't force inspiration. So got to dance it out. Got to return the bot to the body. Got to let go of the emotion, follow your body's instincts into joy. Um, especially with other artists and writers, that's the best is dancing. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. I like yeah. that one. Yeah. I have not heard dance it out as the way to get I to write. Dance again. It so out. again, I think perfect. like growing up in the eighties, like music was so dramatic yeah, <laughs> like yes. the kids these days are getting into kate bush because of stranger things like man i love that we lived through that you know it's like all the levels we ran up this hill already we We've did got we did <laughs> but it still hits really hard yeah that's so who were those early poets for you when you were you know when you were a kid or when you were first discovering that you know you could write things down that that mattered to you um, you know, was there a, was there a poet when you were just starting that you really kind of fell in love with that, that, you know, that language and those words. And then was there a kind of a catalyst poet who got you to realize you could actually do this too? Mm -mm. Yeah, for sure. I've been thinking a lot about that since I'm an older debut poet at, at 41 and kind of taking it all the way back to, yeah, who were those oh. early <laughs> inspirations? Um, and I was just, I was just on the East Coast going through uh, Massachusetts and thinking back a lot of my, those original poets were Massachusetts women poets. So Emily Dickinson, Sylvia Plath, Louise Glick, and kind of like these intense, both in terms of their kind of ecstatic, but also um, meditations and melancholy and kind of like the wilderness of their minds and so I think in thinking about women and transformation and possibility and women alone in the world and kind of writing the poems they needed and wanted to live um, really inspired me as a young person and then a key poet when I was an undergrad was Suji Kwok Kim um, whose first mm -hmm. book Notes from the Divided Country won the Walt Whitman and uh, she's a Korean American poet who has been hugely influential to um, sort of the, the following generation. I feel like Ocean Bong and Edward C. Corral mm -hmm. and myself. She inspired a lot of queer poets of color um, in terms of her ambition and um, expanse, not only in terms of content and thinking about history on all levels, as well as the craft of poetry. So I feel like she was kind of like a lighthouse guiding me through my dreams of um, being a poet one day. And uh, yeah. Uh, that's a good, that's a, a, a really good answer. I like all of those. And you definitely, you definitely grew up in, a, in Massachusetts with uh, some very, very strong, powerful women words. Um, I, I thought you were, your choice of phrasing it as uh, you know the words that they to, they wanted to live like you know Sylvia Plath is one of those for me Sylvia Plath is, is somebody I hold up pretty high and uh, my my favorite line of poetry is um, I have nothing I have nothing to do with explosions um, from tulips and I think there's such a such a heaviness in everything that was that was written especially you know for in that last book and Ariel was was overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. I did this independent study of Sylvia Plath, which is pretty intense, <laughs> in my junior year where I had to read her collections, her, her um, only her selected diaries were available at the time, and her letters mm -hmm. to her mom and her short stories, and just like, right. 
and, and like returning to it now it's like wow like her craft and love of language and the intricacy of like just a single poem it's so dense it's and yeah. complex and just like it's like in the past but like so ahead of its time in some ways it's just like yeah I feel like more respect and honor needs to be given towards well it's interesting too because Plath and Dickinson both had such a a really intriguing grasp of punctuation Mm -hmm. and uh, definitions Mm -hmm. you know those those third fourth definitions of words sometimes Mm -hmm. especially in Dickinson that you have to go search for I mean I I feel like that's one of the ways I learned language was like really digging into digging into one of you know Dickinson poems I took a I took a like a semester-long college class on Dickinson and it was it was wonderful it was just uh at times I felt like I was learning a dictionary more than I was learning poetry but it was was so important and just a great a great way to study yeah um so in your in your career now as a as a uh as a lost generation poet um what do you think have been those kind of those like roadblocks the obstacles along the way maybe some pitfalls along the way people fall into that imposter syndrome here and there and so you know do you think there have been roadblocks and pitfalls along the way and have you ever gotten past them or are they now a part of your writing Mm. yes I think it has been a long journey and a part of it was I don't feel like I ever really found mentor elders growing Mm. up I think that um, my undergrad experience felt very lonely and this was in the late 90s early 2000s (laughs) I was right (laughs) right there with you different time um yeah two white male professors we read a lot of older poets named Robert (laughs) um and yeah and just like the way they approached teaching was from more of like a scholarly perspective which makes no sense mm-hmm. um and so I was really waiting for the teachers that I could connect with with community that was queer and of color and I feel really indebted and grateful for the millennials actually who were my peers in grad school and who I connected with on personal and inspirational levels because the youth are really they're really smart like they grew up with the internet so they have like they're like people 2.0 minds and like Gen Z is like (laughs) 3.0 it's like oh my gosh you were like so well read in high school than I will probably ever be in my life and it's just incredible the poems that they're writing so yeah I feel grateful for my millennial peers um for being that community and mentoring me in many ways um but yeah it's super hard to be a poet like this book I submitted over seven years 22 times and at the beginning it was a little early admittedly but yeah it's just so challenging to go through like the contest system and um small presses you know there's not a lot of um staff or supporter time everyone's going through a lot so yeah it's a really tough journey so you really have to um, rally with your your friends as support and have that deep love of the work to carry you through um yeah so it's it's an ongoing evolution but I'm very thankful to be here with the people I'm surrounding myself with 
Well, and you you hit a great home with Yes Yes books. I mean, what a what oh, a yeah, Portland's own. Yep. Yeah. What a what a wonderful wonderful. I mean, out here it's you know legendary. Very uh, cool. But it's you yeah you so congratulations to yeah, uh, thank you so much. Andy. Yeah, we're planning um a Northwest tour in early Ooh. November to oh, coincide so. with the Portland Book Festival, which I hope yep. is, is happening. So yeah, I would love to go deeper into that community and oh, meet folks and see what's up because yeah it seems like such a a literary rich um space. it is yeah. it's such a wonderful place for yeah. for literature and, mm -hmm. and the poetry scene out here is amazing and the, oh, you know it. the the understanding of it is amazing just the mm -hmm. want you know, people want to be in the room mm -hmm. which is a really cool thing yeah um Speaking of people then that you would want to be in the room with, who are those writers that are really exciting for you right now? Uh, who are you reading and who are you waiting to read? Mm -mm. Yes. Well, I will say that one of Portland's own, Mary Shebus, I adore. I worked with her at Napa Valley Writers Conference and her second book, especially Carnadine, was also one of those lighthouse books for my collection. So I love her, I can't wait to see what she's up to and reconnect with her. Um, here's my kitty, Charlotte, oh, <laughs> <laughs> part of it. Um, and then as far as uh, recent books, I'm, I'm really interested in um, Roger Reeves' next, his current, his current book, I saw him read with Ada. Oh. So that was like a powerhouse duo and I have both of their new books and I'm spending time with those and I'm also um, doing a reading with Khadija Queen so I'm spending oh. time with Anna Dine. Oh, um, that'll be a fun pairing. Yeah I absolutely love I'm So Fine from Yes Yes um, as a fellow Southern California raised poet. Um, so those are some folks that I'm thinking a lot about, as well as um, want to shout out some early Asian Anne poets that meant a lot to me, Sally Wen Mao and Lil Kwame In. Um, also, I also mentioned before Eduardo C. Corral, whose book mm -hmm. Slow Lightning was also Ugh. an incredible um, collection for so many. Um, so yeah, I could go on and on. Morgan Parker. I realize like so many are like, uh, a lot are in California or the west side of the country as a, a balance to my Massachusetts so <laughs> <laughs> many favorites from many lands awesome well where can we find your work and what's coming next for you uh, some more touring which is exciting like the the tour in the, the northwest and then I'll do a stop in Columbus where I went to my MFA at Ohio State nice um but some tours tour stops are virtual so you can check those out on my website uh, shelly-wong.com i'm on the instagram at poet shelly and twitter at s-h-h-e-l-l-e-y-w-o-n-g so it's like shh what <laughs> <laughs> about twitter is like the at shelly her name is kelly and the at shelly wong that woman is a white woman <laughs> married to a Chinese. So like the at Shelly is not even a Shelly, but at Shelly Wong isn't even Chinese. This is what's wrong with Twitter. <laughs> I had to settle for the at 
Shelly Wong. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out on TPQ20 today. And we really look forward to reading you in the future and seeing where you go. Wonderful. Have thank a wonderful you. rest Enjoy. of the day. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.